Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Emma Fedor is the author of At Sea. Emma grew up in Connecticut and later attended Kenyon College, where she double majored in Spanish area studies and English with an emphasis in creative writing. After Kenyon, she continued to pursue creative writing at Boston's Grub Street and Harvard Extension while working in marketing and communications. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband, baby girl, and chocolate lab, Homer. At Sea is her first novel, and maybe we could get Homer and my black lab, Nyad, together. We'll see. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss At Sea, a novel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Listeners cannot see the cover, but you have to just like stop what you're doing as you listen and Google this cover or something for At Sea by Emma Fedor. How do you pronounce Fedor. it? Fedor. Um, but it's this very cool underwater blue with this coral 
I don't know, I'm not at sea in these two bodies. I mean, it is just so beautiful and captivating. And it's a great entry point into the story, which is also sort of immersive and interwoven and bubbly and all the things. So it's a, it's a, it's a fitting cover. Thank you. Yeah, they did a great job with it. So Emma, tell everybody about the book. What is Etsy about? Sure. So FC follows Kara. She's a recent college graduate. She's 22, aspiring artist. And when she can't find a job, she resolves to spending the summer on Martha's Vineyard with her kooky aunt. And while she's there, she meets and falls in love with Brendan, who is this like charming, charismatic soldier who's on leave. And he tells her this incredible secret and claims that he has the ability to breathe underwater. So the two fall into this whirlwind romance. They end up having a child together, which it's not a spoiler, just put that out there. They have a child together. And then one night, Brendan and the child just disappear without a trace. Don't know what, what happened to them. And so for years, Kara's sort of left to figure out what happened to her family until one day a fisherman spots two figures in the middle of the ocean, not near boats or land or anything. They're in the water. Then they they just go right back under the water and they never come back up. And so that's how the novel starts as you see these two figures. And then Kara's trying to figure out, was that them? Am I crazy? Could he really breathe underwater? Was this true? So yeah, it's like I tell people it's a little bit romance, a little bit thriller, a little bit coming of age. It's It's got a lot going on. It's sort of, did you watch Splash ever? I mean, you're too young yeah. probably. But oh you, yeah, no, I know with that yeah. Daryl Hannah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not that this is like that, but just the notion that there could be someone with these extra powers and and almost like um, Little Mermaid even. You know, it's almost like the story, like the oldest time or whatever that, Dawn is oldest time. Never mind. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> tale, tale is oldest time. You know, yeah. but in a whole new uh, modern way. Yeah. The scene I feel like that like I can't get out of my head is when yeah, Kara walks in and Brendan's trying to give the baby a bath and she's like, I know what you're doing. Watch out. Like, no, 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 no. You know, like you don't know right. the baby has this gift or not. Like, stop. You know, yeah. So know, like as it's just like like cold sweat type of reaction to that. Right. Yeah. So that there's that scene, you know, they have this baby and, and they wonder, oh, would the baby have inherited this, this gift? Yeah. And so the the father, Brenda, decides to test it out by kind of holding the baby underwater. And yeah, obviously as a mother, that's terrifying. I have a three month old. I just had a baby. Oh, so it, it, it's hitting close to home for me too now. Seems oh like gosh. that. Pe- the piece of it, the fear of life as a new mom was so vibrant. So I'm actually surprised that you wrote it before all of that because it, you know, right. it really captured that fear and the the empty crib and the what you feel. Oh my gosh, bringing someone oh, into the world that. and all of that. But then you use time really interestingly in the book when you're going back and forth and you introduce us early on to Graham, the you know, the current day partner. And there's so much that courses through about how these men even handle her reactions to big things and loss and everything else and um, how she sort of navigates around them and finding her way, swimming around to try to find her spot in the world. So tell me a little bit about how you structured those relationships and, and, and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing you touched on is kind of the element of time and how it works in the novel. And it's, you know, as you know, the novel sort of alternates between time periods. So it, it starts in, 
Um, I think it's 2008, which is when Karen and Brendan are first meeting and sort of their courtship. And then it goes flash forward to the present when he's he's gone and she's she's moved on with someone else, Graham. And it's interesting because when I was writing it, I actually, I it originally was in the part one and part two. Mm. So I wrote the whole first part and then the whole like flash forward to part two to 2013, five years later. And it just kind of came from sort of experimenting that I that I had this alternating narrative idea. I knew I wanted to start the book with that scene of those two figures in the water who disappear and don't, and don't come back up and kind of that mystery of it. I just thought yeah. that like really kind of draws in the reader and, and makes you think like, what? Like what's yeah. going on? And gets you turning pages, I hope. But I, you know, it's so funny. There's so much hate on prologues in the publishing industry too, that I was like, oh, I don't know. Like you're not supposed to have a prologue. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. So I thought, well, let's just play around and see what happens. So I, you know, printed the whole thing out and literally like like paper clipped sections and, and shuffled them around until I got it just right. And I think it, I, I hope it it helped with the tension in yes. a way you know, to kind of go back and forth. And it's, it's tough to do because you don't want people to get confused and you want to show that the characters are kind of different from each time period, which kind of goes or, or speaks to the second part of your question about these two men, Graham and Brendan, I think, you know, Kara's 22, pretty naive uh, when she first meets Brendan and he's just really exciting and new. And so she falls for that. And then I think later she kind of grows up, you know, because she goes through all of this turmoil and then she sort of veers toward Graham, who's much more stable. Although, as you mentioned, even he sort of kind of doesn't always believe her throughout the book he's always sort of questioning her so it's a tough nothing's ever sunshine and rainbows with either of them but I think it's really interesting to see how she changes and how her priorities change too over the course of the novel totally and I also completely related to this wait hold on let me find it when you're talking about the books that she was reading oh He said, what was wrong with her? She'd felt so good the past few months, and now suddenly it seemed as if she might burst into tears at any moment. She paused at the entrance of the room and took a deep breath. Everything looked as it always had. The white wrought iron bed frame, the scallop shell pillows, the green crystalline curtain knobs, the emerald window seat cushion, books she could remember her mom reading, leaned against a decorative brass anchor on the bureau, the Poisonwood Bible, Memoirs of the Geisha, Summer Sisters. Like this is just such a perfect immersion to going to her parents' house and and I don't just such I was so rooted in that time and place because that is how you would find my mother's shelves, you know, back in the day. You know, anyway, talk about her relationship and the loss and all of that with her own, you know, family of origin. Yeah. So when we meet Kara at the beginning of the novel, she's still sort of reeling from the loss of her mother. It's been years, you know, I think her mother dies shortly before she goes to college. And this is four years later, but it it's, you know, grief doesn't, as you know, doesn't just disappear overnight and it can just be triggered by the smallest thing. And so you realize this, the, the vineyard was something that she always did with her mother's side of the family. And so when her mother passed away, they just kind of stopped going. Um, she had already always assumed, oh, as a family, we'll still go. But she didn't realize, you know, well, it doesn't have the same connection for her father and it might be too painful for her father. So she hadn't gone. She goes back and it's like she just gets this wave of emotion. And I think 
anyone who's experienced grief can can relate to that where you you'll be totally fine one minute and then there's just something that triggers and it and it brings it back and you 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 try to fight it like no I don't want to do this here like I I was doing so well and then you know it, there's almost like this like shame to it like you feel like you should you should be moved on by now but it it lingers and it can hit at any moment and so I think that's important with Kara's character because it also shows that she's still really in this vulnerable state, you know? And so that, you know, I, I, I thought some people might think like, why is she falling for this guy or, you know, believing what he says? It's so outlandish. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of red flags here, <laughs> but I think he loves her so like unconditionally from the bat that that's so nice and easy for her. Whereas, you know, her life has been in turmoil with her family the past few years, her, she grew up in Vermont. Her her dad picked up and moved the whole family to Arizona, which is like the opposite of Vermont, and has you know a new wife now. And so it's a it's a huge part of of who she is and where she is in that that moment of time, you know, and and just sort of reconnecting with her mother's family and and um, remembering her in that way is is a huge moment for her. Have you had a similar grief experience? You know, I wouldn't say not necessarily. I I haven't, thank goodness, lost anyone you know super close to me in that way. I honestly, though, as a writer, what I do is I I find any kind of grief or something similar I've found, and then I kind of channel it into a different way. And so I'm happy to say, like in in my life, one thing I really dealt with was infertility and and trying to get pregnant and and having miscarriages and and losing, doing IVF and having failed transfers. And a lot of that was going on near the time I was writing this book. And so that was a similar thing where I just always had this kind of like grief looming over me of like, oh my gosh, what if I never get to have a child, you know? And so that's something that I I would use to, to channel into Kara in this book. And then of course, also I would think, what if... I did lose my mother, you know, how would I feel? What would that be like? Um, that's how I do a lot of my writing is sort of what if or finding a similar situation and, and thinking how there are parallels. Yeah, I'm sorry. You had to go through all that. It's a unique I, thank you. brand of misery. <laughs> but I've got my baby girl now. She's downstairs. <laughs> Aww, oh, congrats. <laughs> Tell me about, so you went to Kenyon and you studied writing. Where did you grow up? And like, give me like the little backstory up to here and how you got to wherever you are now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew, up in, I grew up in Connecticut and I told myself I would never go to Kenyon because my parents went to Kenyon. I have like four aunts and two uncles that went to Kenyon. I was like, I'm, I don't want to be just like everybody else, but I got sucked in in part because <laughs> I think um, I sort of knew in my soul that I wanted to be a writer and it's known for its writing program. So yeah, I went there did an emphasis in creative writing. And then when I graduated from school, I spent some time abroad. Then I came home and similar to Kara, I couldn't find a job. I was living at home in my parents' house. And I remember thinking, all right, I've got all this time. I'm My parents are helping support me for the time being. I've always wanted to write a novel. 
let's just give it a shot. Like, let's just see if I can, can I even write that much? You know, that that was the first thing for me was not even like, is it a coherent story? But like, can I write that many words, you know, coming from school where I'd only, only written like 30 pages max. And what was great is that, I mean, this was, Back in the time where not everyone had Wi-Fi. So my parents, we didn't have Wi-Fi in the house. I had to use like the family computer if I needed internet. So I had, I'd go upstairs with my laptop and have just like distraction-free writing time, right? I wasn't, you know, Googling things or I didn't have a smartphone. So that was my first attempt at a book. I wrote a whole book, a, a lot of ways inspired by some of the time I spent abroad And I was like, all right, I did it. I wrote a whole book. I'm never going to give up on it, right? Like I put my blood, sweat, and tears in this. And I sort of educated myself on agents and and pitching to agents and the publishing industry. I sort of set this goal of wanting to, to do traditional publishing. And for years and years, I revised, I redid my query. I mean, when I started you had to like mail in your query letters and materials, like snail yep, mail. Yep. People were so afraid of opening attachments, which is so funny now. And then slowly over time, people started, but it's just funny to think of that now. But yeah, I would go to the post office and mail it in. And then over time, it was like, it's just not working. You know, like I, I think I sent, I mean, close to a hundred queries, maybe got, maybe I got two requests for material. Right. And so I did the thing that I said I would never do. And I was like, I'm going to start over because I think I mm-hmm. I came to understand more about the industry. I knew I was a better writer at that point. I was sick of the old manuscript, you know, and I, you know, missed writing something. And I think that original manuscript, it maybe didn't have really the a strong enough plot. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was kind of just like this, like regurgitation of all these things I was feeling. So I started from square one. I started writing at sea and, you know, it took me forever. It took me five years, I think, to write at sea um, because I, I worked full time, you know, and it's, I, I do a lot of writing in my day job. The last thing I wanted to do when I got home was keep writing. I was tired. So it was mostly just like weekends here and there, maybe vacations, just kept chipping at it over time. Um, and then I entered the query trenches again. This time, I, I just I think I had a better understanding of how to kind of pitch and what agents were looking for. So I, I, I don't know how long I was doing that, but I probably sent close to like 25 or so queries. But this time got much more interest. So I knew I was like a little closer. And, you know, anytime anyone expresses any interest, you're like, oh, my gosh, like jumping on the couch. So great. And then it eventually led to a call with my current agents, um, Wendy Sherman and Kelly Dietrich, who are the best dream team. Really like Wendy Sherman so much. She's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. She's like you. She just like never stops. I don't know how she does it. (laughs) But yeah, it's been amazing since then. They were able to sell it to a publisher and here we are. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. I love hearing stories like that. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. 
ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the cat in the hat cast encourages us all to find Fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. I saw in the acknowledgments that you thanked someone for finding it at in the slush pile. And you yeah, know, it's amazing. It really, it really was in the slush pile. And I'm sure you can talk and talk about this all day. But another thing I just think is really interesting is that there's like a, a Twitter event that happens a couple of times a year called Pitch Madness. People, other writers probably know about it. Hashtag Pit Mad, where you can, you know, pitch your book on Twitter, but you know, it can only be I don't even know what the limit is on Twitter anymore, whatever, 130 characters or whatever it is. And then actual agents and editors will go on and and like it. And if they like it, that means you can send them material. I literally have never actually, heard of this and I feel like a moron. I also I feel oh, so no. out of it talking to you because I'm like, okay, pitch mad. And I didn't know prologues were out of favor. I really like prologues. So I'm like, where, where, <laughs> where is she getting all this news? I feel so out of the loop. But and but that's the thing is that what I always tell you, but there's no right or wrong way, right? Like that's the biggest thing. I always felt like I had to follow these rules. And like I I hope no one takes away that they can't do that. It's just when you when you're like me and you listen to all those like podcasts and read all the blogs about like how to get agents attention like those are some of the things that come up but anyway for the pitch madness for anyone who's sort of querying it's a fascinating exercise because it forces you to boil down your little query pitch to just like this little log line and I remember thinking mine were like so cheesy and stupid you know I was like oh this sounds so bad I think it was like he says she he can breathe underwater. She's not so sure. Like just these little like teaser. That's good. You're like, ooh, what? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. and th- those are the ones that got the attention. Which for me, I was like, oh, that it doesn't convey like you know the the richness of the book, you know. But it gets attention, and it really transformed the way that I did my queries and and I think ultimately made me write a better pitch for the book and and helped me land my agents just that exercise because we writers can be a little long-winded sometimes. 
you know, you, and it's your book, it's your baby. You want to write everything you possibly can in this pitch. Like, oh, and it has this, and it has this. And then this happens. And I think it's a cool, a cool exercise for people too. Wow. I'm actually like trying to finish this novel I'm writing, which is due in like five weeks. Or oh my gosh. Update, but it's okay. But I'm like, how would I even summarize this on Twitter? Like, anyway, I better do that because yeah. it probably helps you focus the book itself, right? When you know exactly sort of the main hook or the main, you know, piece of it. I don't know. Right. Anyway, you got it. Excellent. You That's to, excellent advice. So I'm taking you to pick it one personally. thing. It's, and it's so hard, but it, it ultimately, I really feel like it helped me. So, wow. Not to mention, I have to now go on and try to find books myself on Pitch Ahead <laughs> to publish for some books. Yeah. Yeah. That's you should so look into it. It's pretty cool. Um, People are always like, you know, this, everybody in the publishing industry knows. And I'm like, I'm literally sitting in my room. Do you know what I mean? Like, where is this industry? I mean, you know, we're all like connected, but there's not like a hallway. Any, you know, anyway. Right. It's not the like publishing headquarters campus. of yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, five years. Well, good for you. I mean, I think one of the things you're saying that is just so important is this whole notion of just, you will not get a book published if you don't keep working on your book and to keep trying to sell it. Like, you, you, and if you don't hit right away, it's fine. I mean, I honestly think you can't sell a book till you've written like two practice novels. Like you have to get, you have to learn how to do it before you write. The, I mean, so, I guess occasionally people do it, but I think it's so rare to, even though you think it's like the best thing and it probably is really good, it, it'll it just get better. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to break in that like, you know, maybe a, a B is great, but like you really need an A plus. So most yeah. times, even if you do something well, you should just wait till you get better at it or something. Right? And I hated hearing that. Like I always, everyone always <laughs> says, and it didn't matter how many times I was like, no, I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, oh, I, I gave up and started over. I was like, no way. Like I can't stare at that blank cursor again. But I did, (laughs) you know, and I think it comes from, because if you, you love it enough, you'll keep doing it because you want to keep going and you want, you have to keep writing. I think that's a huge part of it too. Just wanting to be published and have that part, I don't think is enough. You have to genuinely enjoy the process. At least in my case, I never would have been able to do it if I didn't derive some, some joy from it. Don't get me wrong. Some days it's torturous, but most of the time I love it. I feel like for the vast majority of us, no one's like, we really need you to write a novel. Right. <laughs> no yeah. one's sitting around waiting right. for another novel no. to hit the shelves, you know? So right. it has to be something deep inside you that you just cannot let go of. So exactly. And so are you working on anything new now? I am. So I promised myself I would get a, a manuscript draft done before the baby came because I was like, I don't know what my life's going to be like. And glad I did that. We'll just put it that way. But um, yeah, I'm working on, um, it's totally different from At Sea, but it's a book that surrounds a bunch of rock climbers. And basically there's a rock climber you find out at the beginning, he's fallen to his death, but it's a little suspicious. We're not sure what happened. And so the book starts a few months before that and is told it's a multi POV novel told in the perspective of four people who are very close to him, all of whom may be suspects. So I'm, I've, yeah, I've got a whole manuscript draft of that so far. We'll see what, you know, I haven't sold it or anything. I don't know what's going to come of it, but 
that's a little teaser and I don't rock climb. So that's definitely a, a challenge, but I'm fortunate that I have a sister who, who, who does. And for years was a really avid rock climber. So she's reading it right now and giving me all these tips and saying like, this is totally inaccurate or this would never happen. Or So I almost feel like she should like be listed as co-author or something if it ever comes out. Cause I, she's a huge, she's helped me a lot with it. You could but. give her like a with, you know, like, yeah. With. Yeah. With, you know. But then I'll, I've already planned, I'll have to put one of those notes that's like, thank you, Hallie, for checking everything, but any mistakes are my own. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, with a three month old, I could barely function. I mean, I couldn't even like get dressed. So, I mean, I did, but it was hard. The thought of like using all of your creative juices at the same time. I mean, hats off to you. Good luck. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm I glad you have a draft, but still, it's you know. it's fitting that I'm on the moms don't have time to read podcasts today. That's what I was thinking. It was like my husband couldn't watch her, my mom couldn't watch her. So, so grandpa's down there, his first time alone. Oh. With I don't hear anything, so she's. I, I think they're doing okay. But when I interviewed Claire Bidwell Smith in person years ago, it was in LA, and she's like, uh, I have to bring my baby. And I was like, great. And so we Aww. sat next to each other and, uh, he was in his little car seat on the floor. And then like, I was holding him for a while and we had the microphone between us and Aww. I'd pass him to her. And now oh, he's nice. like a bit, a kid, you know, I'm like, yeah. like, that's the baby. So, yeah. um, no, I, I, and that would have been fine if you were holding a baby. Yeah. I love babies so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like such a baby addict. Aww. I miss having them in my orbit. I mean, I love having older kids now, but right. I mean, even just to borrow a kid for an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to save her. Even the times when I'm like, you know, totally strung out and sleep deprived. I'm like, no, save for this, save for this moment. Do you have authors who like your whole life, you're like, oh, if only, you know, like this is my role model author or just someone I've like loved to read over time or I don't know, any, any like in the spotlight of your mind? Yeah. I think, you know, growing up, huge influence on me and who made me a huge reader was Judy Bloom. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. And she's got that, she's got a movie coming out soon, but definitely like how Summer Sisters is, is cited yep. in yep. the yep. book. That's a little nod. So that she's someone who just as a kid, like I just felt like I could really relate to those books. It really got me into reading. Um, so she's, she's been huge. And I think like, Probably my favorite author right now is Lily King. I just love everything okay, yes. that she does. I, you know, could never even like put my books in the same room as hers, but I I would I aspire to to write like she does. I just think it's so beautifully done. She's a big one for me yeah, as well. That's a great. I love Lily King. Oh my gosh. Writers and lovers was so good. Yeah. And her recent short story collection. Anyway, okay. Well, any advice? I know we've talked a lot about advice essentially by our conversation, but yeah. any parting advice for aspiring authors? Yeah. What I was trying to sort of say earlier is that like you have to find what works for you. It's so easy to, you know, go into the wormhole of blogs with advice or even take advice from teachers or other students. And there's no right or wrong way to go about this, both in terms of like your lifestyle and also just kind of your process. I always felt like 
I felt this pressure to be like this starving artist writer, you know, who was like only dedicated to her craft and, and would stay up all night writing and would like live paycheck to paycheck. Like that's what a real writer is. And over time I was like, no, like I need insurance. I like stability. I like knowing where things are going to come from. And maybe it makes it slower, you know, like I don't get done as quickly, but I'm just, I'm someone who, who I like to pay my bills on time. I don't like to wait till the last minute. I do my taxes in advance and and then I'm less stressed and I write better, I think. And so I think but I I had this stupid preconceived notion in my head that there's a certain type of writer or I always thought I needed like a, a, a writing space with a desk. And no, like I write in my laptop in my bed in my pajamas with horrible posture. Like that works better for me. I Some people write every day. I'll go weeks without writing and that's mm-hmm. fine. Some people outline and have a whole idea of the plot before they go. I have almost no idea where I'm going when I start. I just start writing, you know, a pantser as they say, rather than a planner. And so just keeping that in mind, like there's, there's, you have to find, know who you are and, and what, what's going to get you down to sit down and write and, and keep going. And there's, there's really no right or wrong way. Some people it's huge to get an MFA, but you don't necessarily need one. If that's not something that's working with your life right now, you know, I, for years worried that I would never get anywhere without that. Just mm-hmm. this basically my advice is, you know, take all advice with a, with a grain of salt. <laughs> that is actually great advice. <laughs> Do you have a big Kenyan event coming up to celebrate your book? I hope that they're planning on doing something. No, not yet, but I, I've been in touch with them. So, so we'll see. So stay okay. tuned on that. I hope yeah. so. Cause there's a bunch of other authors, I think who, who might have books coming out soon. So. Love it. Okay. Well, it's so great getting to know you. Where do you, where are you based by the way? Where do you live now? Uh, I'm outside Boston in Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Okay. Awesome. Well, I hope our paths will cross. I'm sure I'll be Boston and it was great to get to know you and congratulations on Etsy. Thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Sibby. And good oh, luck with yeah. your bookstore opening. Thank you. Oh yes. I'm so excited. So exciting. Okay. All right. Thanks. Right. Bye-bye. Emma. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, You can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.